Morning, you guys. I'm glad you're here, too. We started a summer series a few weeks ago called The Cure for the Common Life. And I started by talking about uh, how time is precious, how God has given each of us 31 million seconds in a year. And uh, my big uh, point that week was how we need to live with intentionality and how God's called us to live not only with intentionality but on purpose and understanding that each of us has a destiny in him. And I hope it was challenging. If it was encouraging um, for many of you, I get some great responses. Thank you. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the greatest hurdle to experiencing that uncommon life. And I said it was, anybody remember? Fear. Yeah, fear is this huge thing. We think about getting outside of our comfort zone, getting outside of our, our little box, and uh, a lot of us experience fear. And I, I shared very transparently some of my fear experiences as well. And yet how we have to make the decision to press through the fear barrier if we can experience the uncommon, extraordinary life that God has for us. And let me just insert this again. I think I've said this every week. I probably will. God has an extraordinary life for you. If you're a Christ follower, uh, Christ lives in you. Uh, over a couple hundred times, the Apostle Paul makes that comment in the epistles, the letters that he wrote, that Christ lives in you. And he's not just there hanging out until you die. His intent is for you to know the life of Christ, the life that God wants and has for you. And he does have an extraordinary life, a unique life. That doesn't mean you're all going to be on a stage preaching like me someday. That's not the, the extraordinary life I'm talking about. It's what God has designed you to do, where he's designed you to live, the place that he's put you in. That's where he wants you to live with gusto for him. I believe that with all my heart. If you're not yet a Christ follower, good news is God's got a plan for your life too. He truly does have a destiny for you to fulfill. And you've sensed that. I bet if you've been investigating Christianity and looking into what it means to be a Christ follower, that one of the things that the Holy Spirit's drawing you with is you hear this whisper, this, this in the back 40 of your brain, this call, and it's the Holy Spirit saying, I've got a life for you that's better than you can imagine. It may not be easy. It probably won't be. But it's better. It's because it's the life I've designed for you. I want to continue today in the series where we're going to take a, a, a little different look at this call to uncommon life. Because I want to c consider the idea of, of rest, of Sabbath, of uh, taking a break, and how that actually is an extraordinary part of an extraordinary life. Some of you think that living an epic life, living an uncommon life, means constantly living at Moxby. Now I won't ask you to raise your hands. But some of you, that's, you think, for me to go for the gusto, the minute I said that phrase, you're thinking, i got to go faster, 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 do more, more, more. And that is not exactly the case, not always true. One of the qualities of a truly uncommon, extraordinary life in today's amped up, overstimulated, out of control world is practicing what the Bible calls a Sabbath, what the Bible calls a day of rest. And I'm convinced, I truly am that if you and I will apply the principle of, of Sabbath, which I'm going to talk about today, that it will change and enhance the way you live. And that, in fact, and here's the, the, the part that see, it's a, it's a, it doesn't seem to make sense to us, but the way to experience the greatness, the, the extraordinary life, the life that's, that's uh, of adventure is to include those rhythms of rest, those times where we do absolutely nothing. For you to believe that, for you to see that today, uh, you need to understand why it's truly good for us. And so I want to unpack that a little bit too. And the reason I need to start there is because some of you are just like me. You grew up in church. I've been in church all of my life, except for a year or so when I walked away from the Lord in my early 20s. 
Uh, from the time I was a week old, I was a PK, a preacher's kid, and I have been in church. I mean church. Uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, youth group. When I got older, it was all sorts of things. I've been in church, you know, thousands of times. And it's, a, for the most part, been a good thing. And I've ex- been exposed to a lot of the different aspects and variety within the church. My dad pastored a Christian Missionary Alliance church for a while, Evangelical Methodist, Southern Baptist. Man, I'm very confused. I mean, I am I've got all this background, all these different things, you know, my, but the good news is I've also seen a lot and experienced a lot. For the most part, my experience in church, I would say it's been good, and I have no complaints. In fact, I know it's what God wanted for me. But I grew up in a very extremely, I cannot underline that word enough, conservative church, very conservative Uh, The church I grew up in, the church world that I grew up in, women did not wear makeup or jewelry, was not allowed. Uh, They didn't wear anything but dresses. It doesn't even matter if it was a pantsuit. If you're a lady, you would not show up in anything but a dress. Uh, Guys, um, I would be excommunicated if I showed up like this with a Hawaiian shirt and shorts and and sandals on. Not going to happen, not allowed. You couldn't go to movies. Didn't matter if it was a Christian movie. Back in the uh, 60s, late, late 60s, Billy Graham's movie, Two for a Penny, or maybe it was early 70s, came out. But it was shown in the secular. We had, I lived in Hibbing, Minnesota at that time. One small town, one small theater. And it was a Christian movie. And we couldn't go see a Christian movie in a theater because it was a movie theater. Couldn't play cards, poker, uh, any poker deck, whatever you wanted to do. Now, anybody know Rook? Rook was the Christian version. You could play Rook, but you couldn't play with a poker deck. I mean, I could go on and on. But for me, the Sabbath was also this day that was a holy day. Holy in the Bible means set apart, sanctified, something special. And it was treated as a holy day when I was growing up in the late 50s or 60s. Uh, Trust me, nothing was open. Grocery stores. How many of you remember the thing used to be closed on Sundays? You know, kids didn't play soccer and all sorts of things on Sunday. I mean, that was like, even if you weren't a Christian, you just, that, they didn't do that. None of that stuff happened. And, and it was, you know, it was gradually. I remember watching and seeing them when they started opening the stores and started opening different things on Sunday. And I'm not just talking about the Bible Belt where it's part of my life was spent. I mean, that's just the way it was. The Sabbath was a holy day. And the church I grew up in made the Sabbath a holy day. But for me as a kid, what that meant was it was a boring day. I couldn't do anything. There was no playing. There was no riding my bike. There was no watching TV. Of course, we only had three channels. Can you imagine that world? Some of you are going, wow, he's old. Yeah, we had three channels. It didn't matter. You know, you, you just couldn't watch TV. You couldn't go swimming. You couldn't do anything fun. And then, you know, so, so for me, the Sabbath, Sunday was really a boring day. It was the worst day of the week for me. And for some of you, when I use the word Sabbath, I know, I can see it in some of your faces. There goes that, that feeling I dial up in you. But guys, that's not what God had in mind for us. Not at all. In fact, Jesus said this in Mark 2, 27. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus, when being criticized that his disciples weren't following all the rules on the Sabbath, said to the religious Pharisees, the religious right of the day. You guys don't get this. You've made it all about the rules and you've laid all these burdens on people. And here's the truth. The Sabbath was made for man. It was made for you and me for our benefit. In other words, it was intended to be a blessing to us, not a cursing. And so it's terribly unfortunate that for a lot of us who grew up in religious background, that either we have this negative view of Sunday or the Sabbath We have mixed feelings about it. Or some of you have no view. You didn't grow up in church at all. 
But if you have a history like mine, you probably have some baggage like mine. Well, regardless of what you know or don't know about the Sabbath, about Sunday, I want to invite you to understand and accept this concept that's taught Old and New Testament, this concept of rest, Sabbath rest. Before I get there, let me identify some of the signs. Now, some of you, I'm, gonna, I'm hoping you don't do this to your spouse while, we're ta- while I'm talking. Just kind of own it, personalize some of this, maybe jot some things down. But here's some signs that might indicate you, not your husband, your wife, your kids, or somebody else, but that you might need to en- en- embrace this practice of Sabbath rest. A few things. First question, do you tend to be spiritually dull? Do you have just dullness? And you're not really excited about God. You're not excited about church. Your faith has become kind of unimportant and unexciting. And it's just because you, you've been doing so, maybe so many religious things that you really have lost the passion, the fervor for God. Maybe you feel spiritually dull. And it's kind of ironic to me that not having rest, not observing this thing called Sabbath can actually dull our relationship with God. Here's another question. Are you relationally apathetic towards people? And you know what I mean. You don't really like people. In fact, you think, if, if I didn't have people in my life, my life would be great. It'd be awesome if I just didn't have to deal with people. But some of us, uh, we feel isolated or disconnected, and we have that attitude because there's this relational turmoil, this apathetic attitude we have towards people. Here's another question. Do you experience any regular physical abnormalities? And i just give you a few examples. Are you chronically tired? Now, all of us work hard. We all get tired. Sometimes we overextend ourselves. I could tell quite a few of you walking in this morning, you ran for the coffee because you've been working in the yard all day yesterday, or you were playing hard, and it's like your body's not quite adjusted to summer mode. And sometimes we just get tired. But are you, keyword is chronically tired. Do you get sick on a regular basis? Has your immune system just, you know, been taking a beating? Here's another question. Do you uh, abuse your mind or body through excesses of any kind? Uh, drugs, too much alcohol, too much TV, too, much, too many video games, uh, whatever. Uh, is there excess that somebody would say, boy, you really kind of go, or you're a little off here or way off in this particular area. Do you have these physical uh, abnormalities in your life? Or, and the last question is, are you emotionally struggling? Are you struggling uh, emotionally? And that has a couple different ways it can reveal itself. Sometimes you're flatlining. Emotionally, just kind of, no highs, no lows. You just kind of go through life in this white noise. Or perhaps you experience these emotional extremes. You know, these extremely high highs, extremely low lows, uh, depression, anxiety, inappropriate burst of anger. These are all things, and I just went through four of them, that if there's uh, something wrong there, it's highly likely that it's... Um, representative of uh, uh, something you need to practice, something that you've not practiced in your life. If any of these issues are consistently true of you, then I want to suggest that you need to hear what I have to say about Sabbath today. So what is the Sabbath, and why is it important? Well, truth is it's very simple to understand, but it's difficult to put into practice, especially in our culture. In the Old Testament, the word Sabbath in Hebrew is Shabbat, and it literally means to intercept or to interrupt to intercept or to interrupt it. Well, why does that matter? Why are you giving me Hebrew lesson? I'm not. What I want you to know is when they heard the word, though, they thought this means complete sensation of all normal activity. I'm not going to do the stuff I normally do on the Sabbath. In the New Testament, the word sabbath, and it means to cease or desist. Again, so both Old and New Testament present this concept where the Sabbath was a day of practicing 
uh, this, this cessation. We, as a day of setting aside uh, everything that was normal, ceasing from life's normal demands and activities. Sabbath, a day where we just don't do all the stuff we normally do. In fact, the Bible teaches us that it's a day of rest and remembering. Uh, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Exodus chapter 20. And uh, in Exodus 20, if you're familiar with that passage, you might be, uh, the Ten Commandments are listed there. And people say, well, that's the Old Testament. Commandments don't apply to me. The principles taught in the Ten Commandments are universal, and they cross all time. Uh, yes, it, they're part of the law, part of the Old Testament, but their principles still apply to us to this day. And there are things taught there that were even predate the Mosaic Law, which I'll address in a moment. But the fourth commandment found in Exodus 20, verse 8 to 11, says this. Remember. So there's the admonition first. Remember. Pause. Stop. Think about it. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And again, set apart, special, sanctified. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your main, main, uh, manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the aliens within your gates. In other words, nobody. You don't get to say, well, I'm not working, but son, go out there and take care of everything. Now it's a day of rest. Verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested. God rested. He experienced a Sabbath on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy, made it special. God said it's a day of holiness, a day of remembering, and it's the one day when we get to cease and desist from the rush, from all the craziness in our life. In fact, I love this definition. I don't remember where I got it, but years ago, somebody said the Sabbath is a day when you and I produce nothing. What a good, simple, one-sentence definition. The Sabbath is the one day a week when you and I produce absolutely nothing. So one day where rest is more important than work. And just to be clear, Moses referred to it here in Exodus 20. But again, it, this concept predates the law. goes all the way back to Genesis, which we'll look at that passage in just a moment. But God modeled this way of life for us. God created everything in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. On the seventh day, God took a break. And by the way, I want to suggest to you, he didn't do that because he needed it, because he was exhausted. God did it as a model, as an example for us, as a way of life that he wanted us to practice because we need it. Genesis 2, 2 to 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Verse 3, and God blessed he smiled on. He blessed. He gave favor to the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating all that he had done. See, one of the things that's important for us to understand is that Sabbath is important for you and me because it is a day that we remember that you and I did not make the world God did. Or to make it more personal, uh, it will continue without you. God forbid that any of us should, you know, not make it till tomorrow. I, I, I pray that we all have long, you know, prosperous, wonderful lives. But if by chance tonight I go to sleep and don't wake up tomorrow morning, guess what? The world will go on. East Point will go on. You see, when we begin to overamp and overwork and, and put all this overload in our lives and work constantly, basically it's acting as if, we may not say this Consciously, but it's acting as, as, as if, well, the world can't survive without me and I've got to keep it going. 
Why is all of this so important for you to understand? Because God does not want you to end up empty and burnt out. I have friends of mine who have been very successful businessmen, um, and some of them um, ended up in their 50s in a nervous breakdown, one of them with a heart attack, uh, 57, 58 years of age. Why? Because they didn't understand that God didn't make their bodies to work seven days a week, 24-7. have a good pastor friend of mine who uh, used to believe that, you know, it was spiritual to work eight days a week for God. And he, he just constantly, I mean, I've never seen a guy work so hard and, and pour himself into ministry as much as he did. But the tragic truth is he ended about 20 years into this where he'd lost his kids. The kids hated him. He'd lost his relationship with his wife who didn't really know because he never invested any time with her, and he lost his ministry. Why? Because he didn't understand that's not the way God made us to live. And so here's what you need to know. Let me recap so far. God wants you spiritually healthy and full. He wants you relationally healthy and full. He wants you physically and emotionally healthy and full. And the problem is with us humans is we leak. We don't just get full and stay full. We've got to do something intentionally on a regular basis to refuel our souls. There are a whole lot of things that we can do and should do to get and stay healthy. Things like eating right, sleeping enough, exercising. But none of those are more important than taking a Sabbath rest. Sabbath is God's way for you to refill your tanks. It's the one day in the week where I'm not uh, giving out. In fact, I'm taking in. In most of our lives, we, we exhale. And if I were to use it in a, an analogy of work, we're constantly giving, 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 exhaling. Sabbath is the day where we get to just pause and breathe deep to inhale. It's the day where God replenishes each of those vitally important parts, relations, our spiritual relationship with him, our relationship with others, our emotional and our physical well-being. Now, here's what I know. I know that some of you right now are sitting there thinking, yeah, but you don't know my life. You don't know, you know the demands on my life. You don't know what I have to do. And I taught something like this about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, and I had a doctor in our church come up to me and said, well, that'd be great if I could. And, and he said, you just don't understand. And I said, you know what? You're right. I don't understand what it's like to be a doctor. I don't understand what it's like to have 19 kids, if you do. God bless you. I don't, you know, I don't understand the things that you have to face and you go through. But you know what I do know? I know God. And God didn't say, well, everybody but you needs to observe Sabbath rest. Because I understand you've got a busy life. You're very important. So everybody but you, you get a pass on this because you're really more important than everybody else. Now, God called all of us to Sabbath rest. I love this picture. It has absolutely nothing to do really with the message in some ways. It's not a great message, a picture. I mean, get that image. Sabbath rest. You know, elephants are working animals, and I've seen them in India, and uh, they, they work them a lot. And I just love this picture. I don't know if it's made up or for real. But even elephants need rest. Guys, I want to suggest you need these moments where you sit your butt down and you don't do anything. And by the way, let me address this too, because again, I, I have, I've been doing this long enough. I know what some of you are thinking. I know the pushback. Some of you think, well, that just sounds lazy. That doesn't sound, that sounds selfish that I need a day of rest. Well, I want to suggest that you're never more godly or wise than when you're like God. Can I get a little amen out of you? And God practiced the Sabbath. Want to be godly, want to be wise, then eh, you know, sounds to me like a good idea to be like him. Peter Scazzaro put it this way, and I love this quote. He says, Sabbath is a day 
We receive the gift of limits and rest as we practice the discipline of self-care. And the reason I like this quote is because here's a little insight for you guys. Hear me on this. This is a discipline. Now, some, I'll be gentle here. For some, rest comes very natural. You know those people, and you know how irritated you get with them. And so in an attempt to not be like that, you go the opposite extreme. But most of us, what we need to do is we need to practice this discipline of self-care. And again, here's the irony. Some of us have denied ourselves Sabbath, thinking that it's spiritual to just keep going. That it's just, well, it's, you know, things matter, and, and if, if I don't keep the plates spinning, if I don't keep things going, then it's all going to fall apart. But you're never more spiritual than when you're observing a Sabbath rest. It's an act of faith to work on six days and to rest on the Sabbath. Remember the Energizer Bunny? I haven't seen him around for a while. I miss him. But uh, great commercials, you know. And it, it, they, they still have them. I don't know. I don't watch commercials. But some of us think that that's being really spiritual. You know, we just keep going and going and going. And that's not what God, that's not what he has for you. And why? Because it's not possible. You just can't be that person. Now, let me insert this as well. There may be some other things going on in your life. I went through those four questions, and maybe there are other things contributing. And maybe it's a hormonal issue or a physical condition that's causing your ex- exhaustion. And if that's the case, then here's my great advice. Go see a doctor. Get help. Go see a, a counselor. Get help. Find somebody who can objectively speak into your life. But what I've also observed in my life and in many others' lives is that often, not always, but often, spiritual, relational, physical, emotional issues are directly related to an unrealistic pace of life, a life lived without any margin or meaningful rest. You know, if I had a chart up here and I drew a, a border on this, you know, just kind of an outline of a box, the margin would be the distance between the line and the outside. And a lot of us, we go right to the edge and over. And that's not the, the life God wants for us. He wants us to live with margin. When we were uh, remodeling, we started this church over in Argonne Mission. And we outgrew that facility pretty quickly. Needed to find some more space. Long story short, we ended up here. And initially, we were in about 25,000 square feet on the west end of the building. And we were remodeling that, and, and uh, we were, had limited funds. We were trying to raise the money to do that, which is a little stressful for me. But I, you, know, I, you know me. I'm not a fixer guy. I'm not the kind of guy, you know, I, I'm good at destroying things, not so good at building things. But um, I did a lot of physical labor, and boy, everybody that was working. We were down here nights, Saturdays. You know, the only day we weren't down here, thank God, was Sundays. But we still had services, and, and I, you know, all the ceiling tiles in the auditorium, most of those, yours truly pulled those out with the help of a couple other guys, and it was disgusting, dusty, horrible. Dead pigeons were up in there. It was just gross. But, you know, I was I'm going through all of this and everything going on in my life, and I was really uh, exhausted. In fact, I went from these extremes on the one hand where I would just be totally um, wiped out and depressed to uh, these outbursts of irrational anger. And I went to the doc, and I'm thinking, man, maybe I got something wrong with me. I better go get checked out. And, and he ran the blood test on me because I thought maybe my thyroid's messed up or maybe, you know. He did all sorts of tests on me. He called me back in his office about a week later and said, here's my diagnosis. Yes, doc, tell me. You're tired. 
I pay you for that? I mean, I knew I was tired. He said, Kurt, and this is a good Seventh-day Adventist Christian guy. I love him. He said, Kurt, are you, are you taking time? Are you, is there Sabbath? And if you know the Seventh-day Adventist, that's a big deal. Is there Sabbath in your life? And he busted me for it. We all need a day of rest, a day to be replenished, a day to feed our soul, to feed our relationships with God and with others. And many of us, in fact, many of us, uh, a day of producing nothing is a radical departure from the norm. It's really hard for us to even imagine that because we've got a honeydew list and all these things we want to do. And, and, you know, some of you came in this morning, you sit down, and during worship, you're thinking about all the things you need to do later today. Don't raise your hand. But I know, I know, because I'm that way as well. But here's what I want you to hear today, and I'm almost finished. We're going to take communion in just a moment. To live a truly uncommon life requires the rhythm of rest. It's the way God made this world and the way he made you and me. Someone said to me once, well, you know, if, if you're so big on Sabbath, then why do you have church on Sunday? Because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of cutting into my rest, cutting into my time. And I, I said to them what I want to say to you. Remember the four things, the four areas I addressed. One was spiritual. And I just want to suggest to you, and I want to applaud those of you that are here today. Why do we do church? Well, a huge part of this, this is the one hour a week where you come to receive, to be encouraged, to worship, to be fueled up, to have your empty takes. Have you lived in the world? Do you know what Monday through Saturday is like? I mean, we're constantly bombarded with, with all sorts of decadence and hedonism and filth and garbage and all sorts of stuff around us all the time. Plus, we're giving out and we're serving and we're working hard and we're taking care of things at work and taking care of things at home and taking care of things in our family and your mom is sick and you're trying to do this and all this stuff is happening Sunday. And by the way, it's 1% of your week, if you think about it, 1%. That would be 1.6 hours, 1%, about an hour and 10, 15 minutes a week. We come here to be refueled, spiritually refreshed, and to have your soul filled up so that tomorrow you're ready to hit it again and go back out there and be like Jesus. Even Jesus took moments of reflection. Even Jesus had things going on. He was exhausted. The the Scriptures tell us there were times when he was exhausted. And what did he do? He withdrew to times of solitude. just a moment, we're going to take communion together. And what I want you to do today is, of course, when we take communion, we remember his sacrifice. We remember his body broken for us, his blood shed for us, that we're forgiven. I mean, absolutely. But Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. I want you to remember his sacrifice for you, but I'm going to ask you to remember something else today. I want you to remember that Jesus himself took time to be alone. Jesus himself took time to be refueled. Jesus himself would withdraw with the disciples, just his church, those those guys, and would be refueled and replenished in those moments. And as we take communion today, of course, remember his sacrifice for you, but I'm going to ask you to do something else. I'm going to ask you to remember that Jesus, in, 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 in his life, experienced solitude. He experienced rest. And I want that to be something you leave here with today as well. All right, Ed, let me pray for you. Father, I look around the room this morning and I see uh, many who are tired. And some, Lord, who are frustrated even with a message like this because it's the last thing they really want to hear. 
and yet it's the first thing they need. And I just ask you, Lord, I, I know Matt talked about conviction and challenge, and I, I want that by your Holy Spirit to happen. But God, encouragement, exhortation means to, to encourage people to change. It is to exhort us, to admonish us, to take a different path. And I pray that all of us today, even if we do this well, that we would take the time to evaluate, are we cutting out, uh, carving out time in our schedule every day to be with you, those micro-Sabbath moments? Are we carving out the macro-Sabbath, the one day a week where we're working on relationships with you, relationship with people, working on physical and, and emotional wholeness, where we're doing whatever we have to do that refuels us and that fills our soul so that we can go, Lord, into the world and really truly be the light that you were. And Jesus, you did this. You modeled this for us. God, from the beginning, you modeled this principle, this practice for us. And so today, I pray, Lord, encourage us to evaluate our lives in light of what you did and to be more like you. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. In just a moment, we're going to take communion. And maybe you've not yet become a Christ follower. And as we pass that little cup of grape juice and that little cracker, uh, for you, it may mean absolutely nothing, but it has the potential today of meaning everything. This could be your very first communion today as a Christ follower. You could take this as your first act of faith in him. And it's your Acknowledgement, God, I, I needed what Jesus did for me. I need what that, that sacrifice he made on the cross, that shed blood was for my sin. That body that was broken was for me so that I could be whole. And today I get that. And today I say yes to you. And in your own way, as you hold that cup in communion in your, your hands this morning, I'm going to ask you just to pray a simple prayer. Something like this, God, forgive me. God, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, thank you for what you did for me. And today right here, right now. I'm beginning my life as a Christ follower. You can do that as you hold those elements, as you partake of that with us this morning. Lord, work in this place even now. We're not done yet. God, the Holy Spirit, come and work in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Here's how we're going to do this this morning. Uh, we're going to sing a song. Uh, I love this song. It's a new song about the never-ending love of God. I'm going to ask you to remain seated, please. During this time, it would be better for you and the ushers if you'll just remain seated. Ushers are going to pass the communion. Unless it's double stacked. The bottom cup has the cracker. Top cup has the juice. It's just grape juice and a bread. But if you'll take that and if you'll hold it. I know some places they, we pop it as you go. I, I'm going to ask you just to hold those cups in your hands. And I will come back after this song and we'll take communion together. But I'm going to ask you during this time to not just... Think about what you're going to do later today, where you're going to go for lunch. Don't think about stuff. Use this moment now to reflect on Jesus, to remember him. Let's worship and uh, community be held out. And I'll come back and we'll take together. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute. We're going to do something a little different this morning. And I'm going to give you about 60 seconds, which is going to feel like eternity for some of you. No noise, no background noise, no music just to reflect on him, to remember Jesus. This might be the quietest moment you've had all week. Take advantage of it right now.
Father, we need sometimes just to crawl up on your lap and to just hear your heartbeat, to hear your breathing and our breathing, and to sink our lives with you so that we can be filled spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally. And so we come in this moment now in the quietness of this time, remembering Jesus, who himself carved out time alone, solitude, time with his family and friends. And we remember you, Jesus. Of course, we thank you that you gave your life, you gave your all for us. And we remember your body, which was broken for us. Take the cracker, which represents his body broken for you. It was broken, Lord, so that we could be whole, so that we could know wholeness in every way. Thank you for that. And Jesus, thank you that we are here this morning uh, for, redeemed, forgiven, that we don't have to carry the guilt of our sin and our shame no matter what we've done, no matter what we did this morning, last night, a week ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago. We can walk free because of your shed blood, which covers all our sins. Take the juice now, which represents his blood shed for the remission of your sins. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with one last song. Ushers are going to come. We'll take our offering. Make it a part of your worship today to give. If you're a guest, don't feel obligated to give. But let's give to support what God's doing. But I want to finish this time together with one last song of worship as we thank God for what he's done. And we'll do that. Let's worship together. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, if you today began your life as a Christ follower, and in that moment you said yes to God and you took communion today as a, as a follower of Jesus, I encourage you to let somebody know, let me know. Um, on the tables by the doors, there's a packet that says for new believers, you've got a Bible and some material that you started in your walk with him. We want to walk with you in this journey. If you need prayer, prayer to me be down front. But here's my hope for you today. Go have fun. Do something to refuse you. Larry, go play golf. You got it from your pastor. Go take a nap. You know, go, go do something that refuels your emotions, your, your, your soul, your relationships, and your body. You have my permission and my blessing to do so, okay? God bless you guys. Thanks for being here today.